All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast. And this week we have um, a really amazing writer on. His name is Christoph Monroe, right? I'm saying that right. <laughs> I'm horrible with names. I'm going to try to pretend we got no names. You know what I'm He's the most incredible thing we've ever seen on this show. Christopher McEnroe. I mean, I can imagine like how many people have probably gotten your name wrong and you're just like, it's pretty simple, but you'd be surprised. The most simplest names that people like screw up on a daily basis. Most, yeah. Most people, the, the, what they get wrong is the second son, they write S-O-N. Like, that's what I've seen uh, so many interviews. It's S-O-N at the end. I'm like, <laughs> you're like, that's not what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Christoph, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I am very excited to have you on because we're going to talk about your great uh, book uh, series, if I can say that. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Volumes one and two, which are currently out now. We can get on Amazon and all your publication websites, and we'll give the links for those. Um, kind of want to talk about your aspirations for becoming and continuing to being a writer um, and, you know, kind of see where the flow goes with that. So um, first off, how is your February going? I can't believe it's already February 2024. I mean, we just started the new year off. Is it going to go by just like that? Like, what is happening? Yeah. I, I, I One of my favorite memes I saw recently was about uh, the I survived the year of January. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's already the 5th of February, and it's like just started. January was like, oh my God. I was like, when is this? Everybody was like, what's happening? There's this weird time warp I, that everyone um, comes possessed by the same inclination that there's, there's something wrong. It's taking too long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that everyone has uh, is anticipating to, to have a very tumultuous year. And when there's not an event, uh, when there's not an event, uh, it can. Uh, you know, it's it it prolongs the, the the way we think about things. So I, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So February is, I, I, you know, what's really funny. Actually, I'm single, so I'm like on dating apps and whatnot. Yeah, they're going crazy right now. Yeah, not because of me or anything. I think it's because of Valentine's Day, and <laughs> like the people that are on the app don't want to be alone, and so like I just, I totally get that. It's like I mean, I'm, so I'm plus right now. Currently in a relationship now, but I, I remember those times of being like, I remember at least living in New York City, it was always like, okay, February 14th, do we go to a movie that day? Do we hang out with our friends? And the funny thing I used to do with one of my best friends years ago, we were both single at the time, and I think he had just broken up with his girlfriend, whatever the case was, and we said, we're just going to watch slasher movies on Valentine's Day. Just oh take my God. a whole different direction and just like make it not about lovey-dovey stuff, but just like make it really random and stupid. So... That was a thing for a while, and then obviously you fall in love, and that crap changes. But I don't think we don't even really do anything. It's more of like that's another holiday. Okay, cool. Let's hang out and so have a good time. Yeah. I totally get that. They should have meetups, though. They should actually have people just like meet up. It's February fourteenth. Y'all get dinner, have fun, talk, and something organic could happen. So I think that's the yeah. thing that happens. I think I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah. we're not. I don't think we're pro. I don't think our we're pro social enough. We're too no, no. We're apprehensive. You know, oh, COVID, yeah. COVID made a lot of people. Um, like I think that one one thing that I learned from uh, friends of mine, uh, especially a lot of women, mm-hmm. uh, they were they were enabled to have boundaries, and and they were actually re, they were actually enforced, and they got used to having those boundaries and able to, you know, and having the authority to be like, get away from me. And oh, so yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 really powerful. Um, a metamorphosis, I think, for a lot of people, um, and that and that kind of uh, that kind of like rubs a lot of other people the wrong way that are trying to that are that have been you know they push themselves into people's yeah. lives. It's a it's yeah. yeah. So those things are at odds right now. Yeah. Also, it's like so many. I'm a big award season person. Like I feel like because of the writer strike last year, you know, and as a writer in solidarity, so. Totally understand it, but it's like everything's just coming all at once. And I'm like, how many award shows can you fit in one month? Like it's ridiculous. And then we literally have just at the Grammys. Now we have the SAG Awards in this month. And then people's cho- I can't keep up with all these things. And then finally the Oscars are in like March. And I'm just like, 
Is there a break anyway, too? I mean, I know I'm not a celebrity, but if I was a celebrity, I'd be like, how many of these things do I have to go to? I don't get it. I'd be like, this is just way too many in just a short time. I, yeah, I, I have no interest. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. No. But I would I would be, yeah, like, similarly to, like, some celebrities who are new money. They, they, they uh, don't come from money. They're not, they're not, like, there's no nepotism involved in their career. Yeah. Uh, and they move into these rich neighborhoods and they just mess with their neighbors. Because like that's like you know they came from poor they came from the poor house right and they're like yeah I'm gonna yeah, be like exactly. I'm gonna be like I'm just gonna take like random people to the Oscars that's what I would do if I were if I had to go I would be like I, I know I'm a really great that. barista in the street his name is Kyle Kyle and I <laughs> he's a cool dude Kyle and I are going Kyle you're um, going too yeah I'm, Kyle's like wow if you think about it, they're just fancy proms like i always think about it's like you know you go to the prom like you're in high oh school God. it's like you get dressed up for one night you have a good time you have fun you pretend to like someone or you not like someone and then it's like it's over it's just the same thing over and over again but anyway i digress i think february is going to be fun um also it's black history month Woo-hoo. and um, i really hate it's the last you know it's always the shortest month of the year but we got June teams. <laughs> isn't that isn't that indicative of the whole personality around yeah the, i know it's, it's yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> you get the short month of the state of, right. of all the month, and then every four years you get an extra day, which happens to be this year. So, woohoo, we get an extra day that's amazing! Yeah, so, uh, it's crazy, but um, I'm looking forward to it. So, looking forward to spring. Obviously, being in New York City, it's been great weather, but not the best. But then also, we haven't had snow, which is weird. So, maybe spring would be amazing, <laughs> or we get a snowstorm in April or May. I don't really know. Global yeah. warming thing now, who freaking yeah, knows? Get used to weird. Oh, well, at least I'm not in Michigan or anywhere near a lake. Oh, man. Is that where you grew up? No, but my dad used to live in Buffalo. So I used to go visit him a lot, like in um, Lockport area in Buffalo. And like, Mm. oh, my God, that lake effect is no joke in the winter. Bro, you don't need to tell me. I was stationed in Great Lakes. Oh, 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 bro. <laughs> oh, my God. No. I, I just, I have triggers thinking back to those winters. I'm like, no. oh, God. Me no. too. I'm just thinking about it. Yeah. I also don't know how they play football and like the Bills and all this. I'm like, how do y'all mm-hmm. do this and not have an indoor st- I'm like, I don't get it. That mm-hmm. just seems like death mm-hmm. to me. I don't get it. Mm-mm. No, thank you. Mm-mm. No, thank you. So hopefully, you not, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully winter is not coming back anytime soon. So we're going <laughs> to move towards that. Um, yeah. But anyway, let's get into learning more about you, Christopher. Uh, give us a little bit of background about yourself and... Um, a little more about you and um where we how'd you get to where you are today uh well i if if it's if, it, if we're starting from the very very beginning it would be because uh i was i was 13 mm-hmm. uh and it was i had this uh we had this assignment where we had to write a letter to soldiers that were serving in iraq and afghanistan oh well okay and um that's i'm you know like we're you know what it's like we're americans so uh it was to me it was a solemn thing and, and i wanted to do it well and so um, I really poured myself into that. It was, it, we, I had a 50 minute period, I think, you know, how classes in seventh grade. Yeah. And I wrote the letter and I just remember feeling this, like this really profound sort of music. Mm. Like, and, and I, and it, and so for some reason, it just made sense to me. Uh, and uh, I gave the letter to my teacher and I left and I didn't think of anything, but I enjoyed the experience of, right. of writing it. I really enjoyed it more than anything that uh, like other, that would otherwise be productive in some way. Mm-hmm. It was the first productive thing I'd ever done that was useful and, and helpful. And I loved it. I actually really loved it. Uh, oh. Well, later that day um, I was sworn by a bunch of kids at lunch who said that my, the teacher had been reading it to every class and how beautiful it was. And even a kid that hated me said it was good. And I was like, aha, Ah, oh. yeah. I was like, "There's something to this." <laughs> <There's> something <laughs> okay. to this yeah. So I would, I would. My teacher, when she, when she approached me in the hallway later that day, she was like, "Oh my God, Christoph, this is amazing. We have to publish this in the newspaper. Is that okay?" And yeah. like, you wrote such a beautiful letter. And um, I didn't write anymore until I joined the Navy. Uh, Shakespeare, uh, Shakespeare. Um, and uh, I, I was encouraged by a friend. Uh, named Mike Buchek. He was a, I served with him. Uh, he was a corpsman also, which are, were medics. Uh, uh, and um, he, he told me that something I had written sounds like uh, song lyrics, uh, which is not a compliment, but for somehow I took it as a compliment. <laughs> it's not, I'm not, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, yeah. nothing. it's like, that's a story. They could have been, he could have said that. And, uh, and, but, and that would have been 
less impactful. But right. anyway, uh, yeah. And so I, I I took that to heart, and I I wrote uh, I just I just started writing and and, and experimenting with sounds because uh, there is a great deal of um, there's a great deal of there is music to it, and there is something resembling a science to it that 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 imparts uh, uh, a useful understanding of 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 why that happens. Right. Why that uh, why that sort of uh, that synthesis makes sense in everyone's mind. You know what I mean? That that, that yeah. across the board we can we we can decide like um that we go beyond our own prejudices and there's a collective, yes, this is brilliant, this is good. And we we, we don't know what it is, right? It's it's almost inexplicable, but it's there. Um so I started writing uh, and uh I did that on and off for about six years. Mm-hmm. And then um, I tried to, uh, I got a job as a journalist when I was 27. Uh, And I won an award for feature writing, which I I, I had, I all of it, I taught myself to write. I tried to go to university for it and I won some awards. Uh, I didn't go to, I didn't go to university for it. I went for other stuff, but I, I was in school and I, I participated in their annual creative writing contests and I won first in all the categories at both schools. That's awesome. So, <laughs> really cool. And though when I got the job as a journalist, uh, they uh, I had to audition for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the 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 first and only feature that I wrote won an award. And then the I won an award for photography as well. And then I after I I, I moved to uh, Canada mm-hmm. with my ex. She's my ex now. Uh, I I stopped writing for five years because I was diagnosed with Tourette. I was diagnosed with Tourette's. And it really da- damaged my self worth. It really injured, you know, like what, my confidence. And so, yeah. um, I, I was. It was a lot of. I, I don't want to say self pity because it really is. It really is. Um, it really is injurious to the way you think about yourself. And there's growing pains with yeah. uh, with any kind of disability. You you have to learn what you're capable of and what you're not capable of, and those things might change, you know, throughout. So um, after five years. Uh, I was trying to get a job and work still regular. I wasn't writing yet. Um, and the BC counselor, work counselor, the British Columbian work counselor uh, for the government, she said, uh, I cannot find you any work based on your hmm. situation. Wow. So you, I, you, maybe you should just write since you love that. You should just write. Uh, you know. And 10 minutes after I hung up with her, I began writing my book wow. that I published last year. That's amazing. Yeah. It's so cool. You just got right into it. You're just like, all right, I do this and just pound it. I didn't have a choice. Was it a story that you, you know, as we're going to get to the book, but like, was there a story or idea you already had maybe pieced together or you just kind of just sat down and just, it kind of came to you and you were like, I'm going to start writing this. I had a notion. I had two notions that were established that were were helpful in generating uh, the further stuff. And that was, um, in the book, um, there's one element that I, I can't. I don't want to talk about because it it's it's the it's like part of the it's it's member to what's what's the opposition what's uh, what's the conflict. Okay. Um, but it's but I had that I had that one notion, um, and then I I had simple uh, just a, a name of something, mm-hmm. and I I'm a, I wrote Shakespeare. I wrote short stories. I began with short stories, which I which I think is very. It's imperative that you practice as a writer if you want to, because every that I mean that's what every scene is. That's what every chapter is. It's sure. a short story. Yeah, yeah. And and you synthesize them later. You make and you you have them make sense and and coherent. Um. Uh. Yeah. And uh, so I, I studied I studied a lot of Hemingway, or early on, and uh, he helped me learn how to write more lean, uh, which is an important quality because you it's it, people can be rather verbose because they they underestimate what the reader is capable of, of, uh, extracting, like, uh, with, uh, what's that called? Uh, extrapolating without like, uh, you know, all the information. There's yeah. a, there's a joke on a tough science t-shirt. There's two kinds of people. Those who can, those who can extrapolate from incomplete data yeah. and, then it, and then the shirt ends <laughs> and those who can't, that's the other answer. And those who can, but it it's almost like, yeah, it's almost like you're kind of like trying to read your audience, but then you also don't, I guess I try to don't want to dumb down your audience, but yeah, that's right. That's you kind of right. have that balance yeah. of that. I totally okay. I get it. Yeah, that. there's a, there's there is a very unhealthy prejudice towards readers, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that I mean the reason why you look at the writing from back in the day, 
and it, how complex it is. Yeah. Versus now, I mean, it's not it's not that people were more educated. It's just that they were more practiced, and that and I can demonstrate that myself. I I couldn't read, for example, Ch Joseph Conrad, who's to me um, if, is is the second greatest writer in English of all time. Right. Uh, he's he's actually from Ukraine. Um, he's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant writer, and English was his third language. Wow. Um, right. So, uh, and Shakespeare, of course, is the first, is number one. And I don't imagine anyone ever going to top that. Um, but I couldn't read Joseph Conrad. Um, but I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't make sense of it. But after I wrote my book and I went back, I realized how, how beautiful it was. And it made perfect sense to me. It was so easy for me to read. And, um, it, there is, so there is, there is a practice, a practice component to Shakespeare, to reading. Yeah. And Shakespeare. <laughs> I don't know. I still can't get through Shakespeare sometimes, but I know. Yeah, it's no, a, no, I, I need a guide. I need yeah. A guide. I mean, I know it's a foundation for a lot of stuff we do. And God, mm -hmm. you know, obviously one of the greatest writers mm -hmm. ever, but it's like some of the themes I like, I'm just like, what? Yeah. Like, no, you know? I'm with you. I'm with you. You yeah. know what? I've actually, his, his technique, uh, you can, I've, I've, I've sussed it out. I know what it is. Ooh. What he does, what he does is he avoids using the word the, T-H-E. Oh. Look at his stuff. Look at all of his sonnets. Read his sonnets. You're going to find that he might, he instead of using the word the ball, he'll say, he'll describe the ball in a different way. He'll say, yeah, uh, you know, the, uh, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't want to get into it, but you, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of cool. I didn't know. Um, yeah. yeah. It's really interesting. It's really interesting. And and it, all, you can produce Shakespearean prose just by avoiding using the word the and then finding another way to describe what you're saying. Um, yeah. So, um, so short story development is, is critical to understanding, uh, what, what's the, the larger thing. So like, uh, George R. R. Martin did Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, his structure is actually, um, very, is excellent. He did the first three chapters. It's three different people, like three different groups of people in three different parts of the world. And then you find out how those are connected. Well, I did that same structure. I said the three, the first three chapters are three different groups of people, three different parts of the world, and then you find a way to marry them in, in terms of the, the 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 plot and and the in, in, in consequence. Um, yeah, uh, and it's it's actually very 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 helpful uh, to do it that way because you don't you like you then have some foundation. So you write separate short stories, find a way to bring them together, and uh, it's very helpful. Um, yeah, very impactful, like you said, because I do remember I, I only got to maybe Storm of Swords, probably the only other book I read. But I do remember even when I watched a TV show and thinking back to what he was doing, it was very impactful when you see these great characters that you talk about from different places in the story when they met for the first time. Mm -hmm. Very impactful. Mm -hmm. It's like you, you watch the show, mm -hmm. seasons, you're like, oh, yeah, I know Jon Snow. I know Daenerys. I know, mm -hmm. you know Lannister. But then when you actually see them together for the first mm -hmm. time. Oh, yeah, so it really stirs you. It really stirs you. Yeah. So I know exactly. Uh, yeah. Shakespeare. I wrote I, I actually finished my third volume this morning. Uh, I did the I, uh, uh, the first draft of the third. The, yeah. Volume three is the first draft is done. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to go back and I'm, I'm, I'm to have to fatten some of the chapters up a little bit, uh -huh. uh, but, uh, the, and the rewrite, but the rewriting process is going to be much more efficient because I'm a better writer than I was a year ago sure. uh, when I published the, the first uh, two volumes. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, writing for me, uh, the most is, is having a mission statement. Uh, it's, it's really funny because it, it's a corporate speak, right? We talk about mission statements. And, oh yeah. But it really does inform everything that you do and everything and in your approach, what I, what I like to describe, uh, for example, the narrator of your story, the way that they react to the characters determines a lot about what the reader is going to think also. So yeah. if, the, if the narrator is saying that this person is vile, they're going to think this person is vile, right? And there's a reason so because the narrator has, there's some purpose behind that prejudice. However, I, I like to describe that what's necessary is that the unless the narrator is some critical part of the story and their personality, and they have to have a personality, they should otherwise have the perfume of compassion. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. You see? I get you know, that. Yeah. yeah. And so in that sense, um, it, it really allows the reader to like have a more well-rounded view of everyone uh, and a more nuanced view, which is critical, I think, for everybody to, to do towards one another. And towards media just in general um yeah so 
it's that, that's that's yeah that's it <laughs> oh that's no that's really amazing and then you know we talk about your aspirations for being and continue being a writer um and obviously getting your story out and we got you know, like i said you got volume three coming up um let's do a deep dive into the second son, you know, without giving too much away, you know, for our audience, but a little bit about volume one and volume two, kind of what are the major themes that a reader can kind of look at going into this story or some of the themes you maybe want the, the reader to come away from with it. Well, the most uh, you'll notice straight away in the first chapter that it's, there's a paradise, there's a literal paradise um and and similarly to like elves in a kind of sense they they live for the people there live for thousands of years right there um now uh, but the thing is that when these people their mortal their first mortal form their human form when it when it's near death they bury themselves with the seed of a plant or a tree whatever and then when they come to life they come they come back immediately as that the fully grown version of that thing okay um and so uh but it's what it's meant to be an allegory for is the way that right now, financially, we have the older generations who have a great deal of wealth, uh, finance, you know, and 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 finance, and they they have comfort, and whoever is in their graces and can and and benefit from that, they live, uh, they live and survive on that because because otherwise, you know, young people are not making enough money to survive, Got and it. we're not making enough to like buy homes. No. Uh, you know, and to like, and, and to, to pay medical bills. And, yeah. and so all of these things, uh, you know, cause they are like, the boomers are now in their 60s, 65. They, they get the, they have Medicaid or whatever. They have their, uh, medic, wait, you care for the elderly, you aid them. Okay. So Medicare, they have Medicare, yeah. you know? And, uh, yeah. And so they, they, they get discounts and we're talking about, they get, every business gives senior discounts these days. Oh my God. And like, it makes and, me want to be an old person. I know that sounds crazy to say, but I'm like, yeah. And you, did you hear like the, I don't know, like the university of Michigan or whatever, they were providing $15 credit courses for, for what? seniors. Yeah. Yeah. And people were like, wait a minute, are you kidding me? <laughs> and so it's really, it's really that paradise is meant to be that it's meant to demonstrate uh, that dynamic. Um, and then everyone else outside of that paradise is living in a kind of game of Thrones type world where it's like really cruel and mm. um, yeah. And, and just, uh, and, and full of, yeah, it's, it's full of strife and violence and, um, and, a lot of dis- I mean, discomfort is is the is the least uh, of, the, of that. So yeah, it's well, that's amazing. And then you know, we talked a little bit about, um, or I mentioned a little about world building. You know, we talk about Game of Thrones and some of shows like Lord of the Rings and you know Star Wars, any great fantasies, Harry Potter, all of them. You know, how do you? find success or, or or how do you feel you succeed when it comes to world building? How do you stay on task with that? And how do you keep yourself really, I, I don't want to say get lost, but, you know, kind of keep a concrete kind of structure mm-hmm. as you go through creating this ultimate world that you're building, you know, mm-hmm. in your stories. There's two, there's two things that I try to do. There's there, uh, the one thing that I, I think is most relevant uh, to world building is uh, a lot of, people try to go like thousands of years back mm-hmm. to explain the present. But I think that a readers just generally, they don't care about that. They, they want to know how it affects what we're looking at now. Yeah. Oftentimes, like they really just, um, they're really committed and, and, and they're wed to that idea, um, which is, I think an important quality just in humans in general, you know, that uh, there's a whole reason why history repeats itself is because everybody's like, we're doing dealing with this right now is different from that. You know, so it's, so having um, that's an important uh, mindset uh, to at least entertain when you go to write something that is world building. Uh, why is it relevant to the to the now? Right. Um, and the other thing is, uh, yeah, p- people often feel like they need to. It's like submitting evidence. They act like it's like they, if they if they had to argue it before a court, they you know what I mean? They they have all the they have everything lined up. Yeah. It's not really about that. History is often romanticized. There's so many qualities that make it, and that's what humans, uh, humans are not connecting with the notion that it's true, like in every, like in a literal sense. Right. They, we often see like, you know, like even the, the why, if it's false, it still affects today. You know what I mean? It's, there, yep. There's so many things in history, like so many incidences in history where something that's not, oh, like Catherine the Great, Catherine mm-hmm. the Great, they said that she had sex with horses 
Oh, like God. she did not. <laughs> she did not. But it still yeah. exists. They made that rumor up hundreds of years ago. They, they still Jeez. they still believe that. They still like they, they that there's that is a widespread sort of um, mis, misapprehension. It's not true. Right. Um, but it, but but that's my point. It colored like the entire her her whole approach to like developing a more modern progressive Russia. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it, it it essentially bastardized that. It made it made it vulgar in a sense. Right. Um, and so it doesn't matter that it's not true. It's what happened. It's it is still affects it, right? And yeah. so that's an important uh, thing to remember. Um, the most, but the most important quality is that you're fair in to all the groups involved. Mm. <laughs> so a lot of people think like you can have like you can issue prejudice. Um, and it, it, it like ennobles you as a, as a narrator, it does not, you need to understand, like if someone is behaving a certain way, you understand why, and you can't, uh, like if, if they're evil, why are they evil? Um, there's, there, there is, um, there's nothing, nobody does anything if they, you know what I mean? They, they um, just, they don't just do stuff. They have a reason. Everyone has a reason for doing stuff. And I know that a lot of writers know that they say, what do they want? What do they want? That's part yeah. of it. That's part of it. That's I mean that's that's only but that's only part of the equations. What what do they don't want? And what are they afraid of? And there's so many other qualities that that determine their the ultimately their behavior. Um I totally get that. that. I think of that when I think of, you know, I'm a big comic book nerd and you struck something to me where it's like I think of the Joker and Batman and how mm-hmm. they have this whole similarity of I, I think Batman's a sociopath, but that's I get arguments about that, but I think he is. But I think when it comes to the Joker, you think about the relationship, it's what you're saying. Like, I know he's an evil person, but why is he evil? And mm-hmm. a lot of it is that he likes to torture Batman. And he knows Batman has limitations. He understands what the limitations are, but he pushes mm-hmm. the boundaries because he knows, A, Batman's not going to do, not going to kill him, for one. And number two, it's kind of like a mind game he goes through. It's almost like when I look back at Christopher Nolan's version of The Dark Knight, it's like, he just, you know, obviously he fledged an amazing job, but it's like this character just cared about just pure chaos. Didn't care mm-hmm. about life or death. It was just causing havoc and chaos mm-hmm. in way and everything possible. Mm-hmm. And the root of that was that it was just to piss off your adversary. And at the end of the day, people all argue, argue about this a lot. It's that Batman and the Joker are truly friends. And you don't want to believe that because it's a villain and a, and a hero. But in reality, one can't really live without the other. And it's really crazy to think of that. And it's it's so great you brought that up because it's like, wow, yeah, I can yeah. respect the character. I can understand the character's motive and, and what they do. Mm-hmm. But it's always a connection that goes with that in your storytelling with that. And mm-hmm. why I think always Batman's role gallery of villains are probably one of the best villains ever written because... They are villains, but they have such a deep history background where it's like you almost feel sad for them in a way, but you're also like, damn, you guys kind of messed up at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I think in your mind, uh, whenever you go to develop a character, you have to imagine a, a planetary system, like a system mm-hmm. like you have a planet, yeah. a planet, the gravity that the, has the most gravity yeah. um, that informs everything that that person does largely, right? Right. Um, that could be their childhood. That could be, a, but there's other things. There's moons, the moons that also that orbit that planet, right? And then those, and the way that they interact with the larger solar system, is also relevant. Uh, you know, and so uh, that, that that's one thing. Uh, and you brought up uh, Batman and the Joker. I would I would say also Doctor Who and the Master, the, oh. and the Doctor and the Master, are sure. the same. He he has a great deal of contempt for his behavior. But the, the doctor does for the, for the master, but the master is ultimately of the same species and and therefore uh, exceedingly rare in that right. in that he doesn't have anyone else that he can connect with, you know uh, that that knows that understands the same um, that same genesis because they right. you know that's what they have uh, and so and he doesn't want to lose that and it's so understandable um, and sentimental people people express sentimentality being sentimental in very different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and that's an important thing to remember how, how like an important quality to develop, like for them, you have to understand why, what, like what makes them enjoy things. Yes. 
Absolutely. you know, and, and not just like it, it's it, yeah. So much, so much people want to focus on conflict, creating conflict and, and resolving it. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's also about the expression of love and where does that come from mm. and uh, for each character and uh, yeah. And, and, and how is it relevant to the plot? Yes. And, um, yeah. Without getting lost in the process, because you have so many times, one of my favorite literary references, I, I, I love Gone with the Wind. I really do. I, I never read the book. I should, but I only watched the movie. One of the, issues, one of the things I've well, read, <laughs> well, I, very long, but I remember it was one of my English lit classes. My teacher was a very great teacher. I forgot his name, Mr. Foster, I think it was. And he says, one of the reasons Gone with the Wind is a horrible book and I never thought I'd let teachers say this. <laughs> I, 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 I kid you not. We were sitting in class like, oh, man. what? Yeah. Oh, okay. And so I'm intensely listening. He goes, the, the problem is, and what we, as a writer or anyone who's a writer, anyone knows about storytelling, he says, your character develops. They either have a beginning and end and they have a resolution or whatever the case that may be their journey or as they say, a hero's journey. And Scarlet, <laughs> Scarlet, the main character, she literally is the same character from beginning of the story to the end. I feel like she has no real growth. And you're like, why am I rooting for you? You didn't really mm-hmm. do anything. You didn't really do much. And as I went back and watched the movie, after he told me this, I'm like, oh my God, he is actually correct. Like, this is the same character. And I'm just like, why do people think it's such a great, amazing book? And it's like, she doesn't do it. I think it was one of the few, it was just a very, I think it, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that um, women were not enabled to write. And she would, she did a, I mean, I mean, she did a very fine, I mean, she did a fine job relative to like what she was like, oh, of course. like what yes. she was a lot, like she was given license to do because of the way that society treated women back then. And still in, in many ways to this day, in fact, uh, I don't know when, I don't know when that book was published, but um, I think that women have fewer rights now than they did like in that time. I'm so, Probably, it's really yeah. quite, um, it, it's yeah. very troubling, in fact. Um, yeah. Right. But I guess, like you said, the writers work with what they can. You know, I think back to great books like Great Gatsby or, you know, um, Grapes of Wrath. You know, it's like at the times, but also you're correct. Like we don't write the same ways, but we're also experience things differently, but I just, yeah. you know, in my generation, at least, and we're probably we're around the same generation. It's like, I, I just will always root for a character. If there's some level of growth or change, tragedy, or non-tragedy, um, mm-hmm. it just makes the story go in a way. Mm-hmm. I'm not a foretelling person about a lot of sequels, even though I work for Disney and I grew up in the whole Disney bubble of sequels sell money, you know, whatever. But it's just like, it's, I think sequels are only needed if there's a level of a story that's probably uh, foretelling of a character's growth. Mm-hmm. One of the problems I had with Star Wars was that, and I'll get a lot of flack for this, but I, I love the original episodes four through six. Mm-hmm. I think one through three kind of get the backstory to who Anakin was. Did we necessarily probably really need to know more about Anakin before he was Dark Vader? Probably not, but it gave some sub subcontext of who Dark Vader was, which yeah, is great. Yeah. But I, I felt like the three moves were fine just as they are. And then the other three came along and great to watch. Don't get me wrong, fan favorites, whatever you know, want to say. But did it? I'm like Andor is the only one that is really very well written. That's yeah. Andor, Andor is I, the best written Star Wars anything. Uh, it's the best. But it's not even close. It's not even no. close. No, and, and just, yeah. you, you get all these other things and it's like, and, and nothing against the writers and the storytelling. I understand why you make it and why you, you know, make all this money, do those great things. But I think it takes away from the context of what the story is really about. I mean, it was a so mm-hmm. sci-fi space. Mm-hmm. Opera. You want to look at it that way. That's what it yeah. was. really was based off a of Greek mythology of a father and son. I mean, about the whole ideology of father and son and this building. Yeah, inheriting evil. Yeah, in the beginning. The inheritance of evil whole, notions. It yeah. went to a whole tangent afterwards, and I'm like, okay, well, sure, it was fun to watch, but I'm like, what, what did we really get out of this? Yeah, know. he's he's a very awkward writer, uh, uh, George <laughs> Lucas. He is. He's a very awkward writer. Yeah. And he's even, apparently, he's like, he makes this, he makes the actors like Natalie Portman. It was, he uh, really deliver those lines very awkwardly, too. Yeah. Um, and so, but but the thing is that the higher concepts, if you if you remove yourself uh, from like its execution and study, like what he did, that that's quite good. That's yeah. quite good. 
Absolutely. But the, the, it's it's really it's it's really the, the way he, he his presentation is 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 wanting for me. Is it, it's yeah. it's really about is it's really about his uh, his ability to uh, to manifest uh, plausible, um, you know, like space uh, politics that sort of oh, thing. Yeah. And, yeah, and to really and and honestly, uh, there's another thing that actually reminds me of uh, the most important rule. Uh, number one, the most important thing is the characters is the most important. There's nothing else more important than the characters. Yep. I agree. With you. I'm and uh, yeah. Um, now, uh, and the other thing is when you say uh, if you if you catch yourself saying humans would never do that, you've already fucked up. You already messed up. Touché. You've already messed up. Touché. You can do yeah. a lot of things. A lot of things you think, yeah. and I'll write different things you can make anyone do. So mm-hmm. that's just really great. Um, and I guess it takes us back into like you know your view on storytelling, which you know I could tell from some of the synopsis I read about your book. You're really in depth with your characters. You're really good about world building. You know, um, you know what for you is really key when it comes to storytelling. What are some of the guidelines you stick to to make sure you have a compelling story that you are telling your audience? Hmm. Um, number one is having a consistent voice. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so like imagining a, I, I would imagine literally imagining a certain voice yeah. every time that you write. Uh, and so it's like, it's almost coming from the same person every time and that personality. Um, and storytelling. Oh God, there's so much about storytelling that's that's important uh, to remember. But most of the most important thing is that it needs to be human, mm-hmm. you know. And um, yes. it, people try to do try people try to describe it like a like a historian. Um, I just don't think uh, storytelling like it can it can be done in two ways. Really, there's like uh, you have like Charles Dickens, where it's a celebration, right? It's a celebration of language of our philosophies. And and all of these other qualities that really elevate our intellect, right? right. And then you have writers like J.R. You know, you have Lord of the Rings, which is has no no prose in it, virtually no prose. The yeah. dialogue is very well done, but every other part of Lord of the Rings, it has like it's it, there. There's no prose in it. There's no prose. So it it it, it really relies on uh, the the charm and of the in of in storytelling, uh, because uh, the the notion that uh, people, anyone can achieve anything. Like yeah. Frodo Baggins, like being able to bring the the ring to Mount Doom with Samwise Gamgee. Like there's, there's it, that is a very powerful, um, you know, that underdog notion is is really uh, compelling to humans. Uh, and that's and I, I find that admirable. Um, so, like, what ennobles us, uh, and what really um, shaves or shaves away or wholly extricates our virtue um or the or the appearance of virtue is also like a, a large part of it um so yeah i mean it's it's really about uh, character building is is the characters is the storytelling the characters are the storytelling that's it yeah, no, that's really great no i love that um and then do you ever find yourself ever writing a character, because I've done this multiple times, um, really writing a character that kind of shows a reflection of yourself or maybe oh, yeah. something that you've done or that you look back and you're kind of maybe proud about that aspect of something that happened in your life or anything you're telling? Like, is there any, okay, actually, are there any characters that are kind of maybe close related to who you are as a person or you kind of diverge that into different characters throughout your storytelling? I think that every um, the, the the most extreme, like the, like we were talking about the planets, mm-hmm. the most extreme element of your personality is going to present itself the most often. And so, if you have an understanding of that extreme, that's what you're going to impart. Like that's the part that's that's what you need to um, really allow like yourself to explore. A lot of people don't want to explore like truly wicked notions in their head they they because they're not wicked they're not a wicked person but but we've all had wicked thoughts at some point in our lives oh yes. you know yeah and so that's that is something that you can't really shy away from because you know it's an, it's important to make to make not just plausible but um you know like it's uh i wrote that we 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 write we we bring writers write prose uh and circumstance and we dress it. We dress truth in prose and circumstance because we want people to not only know the truth but admire it. Mm. 
Wow. Yeah. So Shakespeare, it's, it's, it's directly, yeah, it's, it's really, uh, Shakespeare, Shakespeare, no, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) You off the whole different tangent and you're like, yeah, yeah, no, it's pieces of yourself. Oh, right. Uh, the pieces of yourself. Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, they really, people try to refrain or try to, uh, to, uh, but you can't do that. You can't do that. Um, because that's, that's the part that needs, so if it, if that part leaves you, you need to let it run away from you. Mm. So like once you got that character, you let them you let them leave your body and they 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 run off with part of your soul. And that's and then and they are no longer under your agency. Wow. That's an important thing. You the characters the characters write the story. Yeah. You know, after a certain point, the, the reality that you've constructed, uh if it's consistent and the characters are are faithful to their own personality. Mm-hmm. Um given the given the circumstances allow it um then you're going to have a story that develops itself because yeah. you'll realize the character would do that what, what would someone like this do next yeah you know oh. yeah and you know it's and the way that how would they interact with people like in this and so it's really about starting very simply you know and just and and really exploring each scene in that same way um, and then you, you, uh, the, the development is really what's happening in between the growth is like, we, we, we explore from, uh, whenever there's violence that happens, the character's not really growing in that moment. No. Uh, this is, this is, a, th- what's happening is it's a manifestation of that growth. It's sure. a manifestation of the personality. And then the, the middle part is when they reflect, when they all reflect between the moments of contention or, or, or glory that's th- those moments are when the writer needs to explore what just happened um, mentally. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and, yeah, and then allow the world to interact with that. Yeah, uh, in back back is the consequence. Oh, that's amazing. And you know, lastly, are you having any book tours going on, or is there anything coming up on your roster for the year? I mean, I mean, you got another book coming out, so I don't know if you're gearing up for that or you're teasing. No, I'm so, I'm so, you know, um, I feel like I'm on, I'm in a, I'm in a, I, I feel like if, if there's a slingshot, if there's a metaphorical slingshot, it's been pulled all the way back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not, I'm really, I'm at, I'm not really, can't be stretched too much further without something giving uh-huh. and there being some kind of exposure. I've, I've gone viral a couple of times on TikTok um, and that has brought me an extraordinary amount of readers like relative to, I mean, what a lot of people um, experience Shakespeare in the first year of publishing a book. Yeah. Uh, but I'm in the first year of publishing my book and I still, I'm not even, I, I'm not even done with it yet. I, it, it'll be a year since I published on February 18th, but my audience didn't even really exist until almost July. Right. right? And so if my, and, and right now, I mean, I just, I told you before the show started, of course, right before, um, yesterday I learned, that my book is like there's there's actually professors that are recommending their students my work in the yeah. context of literature, in the context of like Charles Dickens. They're saying if you want to study Victorian literature, and this is this is one writer that does it in a modern way. Yeah, and I'm the modern way, and with modern sentiments, you know, having uh, all kinds of every kind of love, um, and all kinds of like it, there's the, the the things that I omitted was racism and sexism because I'm probably the least informed on that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, given everything about me, um, like, here's my really two just, cents, and everybody's like, "Sit down, Christoph." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's not it's it's not helpful for me to include myself in that conversation. Um, yeah. And so, and also, and and also, my other uh, rationale was that I think a lot of people deal with it already, yeah, like both in media and in real life. So I was like, I, I wanted to. I saw Tolkien. I was really inspired by Tolkien's. The characters really, like I said earlier, they can do if they can do anything. So there's not there's women that are incredible. Like there's there's I have a there's one character that says um they call her her name is Romelia. She's a rebel leader, mm-hmm. and she it says uh, she did walk with Omen, and uh, uh, a parody of Deference meant her foes uh, would call her Wide Lightning. Oh, for when for when because she's a big and tall black woman and she's got like she carries a big ass sword and it says for when seized by her blade it was as though you chased the breath of God. Okay. Yeah. So she's fast too. She's fast and real big and yeah she's and she's half immigrant and and half 
native. Yeah. So that's, you know what I mean? So it's, it supports a lot of elements that we see in real life where we have like President Obama, who was obviously his, his parent, one of his parents was from, uh, I think Kenya or something, and his mother was American and he was born in Hawaii. And there's a whole, you know, like it, these, these, uh, all these different elements. He was raised by, a, I think he had a white grandmother mm. or something. Anyway, it really created an interesting synthesis of, uh, of, of principle and understanding of the world that uh, like they otherwise a lot of black Americans I think are, are deprived of. Um, yeah. And so um, it's really, um, it's, it's, it was really important, I think, uh, for me to uh, make my, make what I know relevant rather than trying to right. impart something that I don't, I don't have any true experience in, you know? Um, I love that. And speaking of Obama, I read his book, one of the books I actually finished and, my God, what a, such a great, amazing book that he wrote. He's, I mean, yeah, he's a great writer. Yeah, he's just, and that, the funny thing is, as I read it, I just kept hearing his voice, even though you probably get the audio of him actually doing it, but I'm like, just reading it, I just, I can just hear his voice all entire time. And I'm just like, amazing. So technically it's only half of it, which is only his first four years of presidency. And I'm like, wait, he has more to talk about? I'm like, oh my yeah. God. So. People don't realize either, Dr. Actually, since it's Black History Month, Dr. King is actually one of the best writers I can oh name him, like, truly. Oh, yeah, is? truly. Like, yeah. honestly, he's, he's brilliant. He was truly brilliant as a writer. Honestly, brilliant. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, okay, well, that's good. Well, like I said, I'm going to be rooting for you. And, um, you know, obviously, we'll keep an eye on what happens. And we'll be looking forward to volume three. Now, do you have in your mind, and maybe this is a insider secret, but do you have a mindset of how you would like to end it? Or you have certain... Oh, I'm, that's all done. Yeah, I've got all that planned. Okay. Yeah, and I, and that was... It was really important to me too, also because Game of Thrones really let a lot of people down, oh, and it really God. it really damaged the genre's credibility. I think it, it, he really did an excellent job raising his profile. Yeah, and at the end, like it was like he shot it in the head. <laughs> it's like he raised up this giant <laughs> statue, and then he's like, oh, and then it was just. Oh. I just you know? don't. I, I I you know I just I would think at some point he would have finished the last I don't know, two books or less. I don't know, but I'm like I don't know. I I've written in the last just since October twenty twenty one. Yeah, I've written like six hundred thousand words. Jeez. Um, yeah, and this year alone, I've written like just this year alone, I've written two hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, I, I wanted to. It was really important to me that I not only had a great ending, but that it was plausible. Mm-hmm. All right, and you know, and and in that sense, uh, it, when it's faithful to reality, there's going to be both good and bad, like truly good and bad. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. I mean, one day you might finish the books. So I'm going to say no to that, but you know, who knows? Hold on to faith. He, he's kind of a, yeah, he's kind of high maintenance though. He has to write on like a 1980 something computer. I'm not surprised. And I, I, I write on my, I've written on my phone, like, <laughs> You're like, like in a car, you know? Like, I don't, it's so, it's so, come on, man. I mean, I will say the one diva moment I had when I came to my storytelling, my writing was that I was like, I just want to go to Tuscany, living on a Tuscan sun, drinking coffee, and having my typewriter, and just writing. And that's all he was like, like, that's a little extreme. I'm like, I know it is, but I just feel like it'd be fun to do. Just go there for like six months and write in Italy. I don't know. I'll be inspired. You can learn a lot, actually. I mean, it's a helpful. I think you can, honestly. It's helpful. You probably yeah. have, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know how much Italians, I don't know how they interact much. Like, and they, but they're like, <laughs> yeah, they're sure. a lot. This, this whole thing is real. This real. I you know, like, I learned that from my Italian this, friend. I was like, why do y'all do this all? Like, why, why you talk with your hands all the time? And it's like, it's, it's a thing. It's insane. <laughs> but so on my bucket list. I still have time, so we'll see. Um, all right. Well, anything else you want to plug? Anything else we should know about anywhere people can follow you on your socials? You want to let anyone know? If you Google uh, Christoph Morrow, I, I have actually um, some really extraordinary, lovely uh, friends uh, now who have um, been helping me uh, set up website, um, like my own website, ChristophMorrow.com. Yeah, uh, it's not. I don't know. If, I don't think it's ready yet. Uh, but they're do they, they're doing everything for me, and they have a great deal of faith in my work. Uh, in right. fact, I'm I'm here right now because of uh, someone, uh, a patron. Actually, I'm at a hotel on Vancouver Island to okay. get away uh, to do my to finish my work in in a sort of refuge. Um, yeah. And I and, and I'm going to be here for a month. They paid for a month for me to stay here, and it's really yeah yeah. So I'm, I'm Shakespeare. Yeah. They have a great deal. They, you know, uh, they, they have some very outrageous flattering views of, of, of what I've done uh, so far and uh, yeah. what I've, I've, you know, produced 
in volume three also. Um, and so I'm really encouraged by that. Um, but if you go to you go to Google, just type in Christoph Morrow, you'll find all my social media, like my picture will be right up top. It'll you'll see my face. And because Google has knows who I am now. I have like I have an I I'm no longer anonymous. That's like, kind of not confusing. Just, your name pops up, you're like probably the, you're like what the top thousand searches when it comes up with your name now. I mean, that's kind of a good thing, right? It, yeah, it's like a it, you know, like how it, it's not just like links anymore. Yeah. It actually has Christoph, like Google says Christoph Morrow, author, picture, you know, like they just like Love that. It's really fun. Alan, it's amazing. It's so yeah. helpful. It's Are you so going to be able to explore while you're there in Vancouver? You can go to like the Whistler. You can try to explore the city. I mean, have you been to Vancouver before? I, I, I live in Vancouver. I live in Vancouver uh, on the mainland. Okay. I don't, I, I'm, I'm on the island right now, actually. I'm like right next. I'm right on the water. Um, it's probably even more beautiful. Probably this time of year. It's probably cold, but still. no, it's actually, it's actually the thing is, like you said, we yeah. didn't have snow in New York. Yeah. It's like, way too warm here right now <laughs> so, really it is like, it's unseasonably warm and they're like oh my god this is supposed to be our off season <laughs> you're like okay that's not happening god. yeah no the book has climate change the book is all about climate change it's, it's about the decay of complex natural systems and society is as a, as a whole like it, i mean if it, you will know honestly you will know the ending if you just yeah. understand the way society functions after 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 order decays so much. Wow. I love that. And we need that because apparently according to an ex-president, mm -hmm. climate change is not a thing. But you know. Oh Lord have mercy. Yeah. We'll have to deal with that in this upcoming year of elections. That'll be so fun, won't it be? Well, you don't have to worry about that in our country. So good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Well, Christoph, thank you so much for uh, joining us. It was such a pleasure talking with you and hopefully we'll cross paths in the future. And, um, you know, we'll be looking forward to Value 3. Do you, you, don't have a, you don't have a release date for Value 3. You're just in your... Well, it's going to be this year. It'll be this year. This year. Okay. It will be this year, yeah. You won't pull a, you won't pull a, a, a R. Martin and just, you know, wait another oh, two no. months to get done. Yeah. The first I wouldn't judge you, but I'm saying, like, you know, you want to go back yeah. a year or so, you know, figure it out. No, the first draft's done. I'm I'm, I'm really anxious. I, I work all the time. I'm I am yeah. very obsessive about my work. I everyone that I know says I'm the hardest working person, like yeah. a most obsessive, hardy working person. There's no <laughs> like it just in general, like because I'm I am that way. I work all the time. Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully. Okay. Well, we're looking forward to it. Well, thanks again for being on and thanks for everyone for listening. And um stay tuned for our next podcast, which will hopefully be out sometime this month because I'm gonna be very good this year and get a lot more done. Than I did last year, but also it was the holidays. So don't get mad at me because I know you guys are busy too. All right. Thanks a lot, Christoph. Thanks a lot for being on. Appreciate it. Thanks.